Hey guys, brand new podcast. I am in a hotel room in Macon, Georgia, quarantining, quarantining, quarantining. Let me tell you something. I think people say they quarantine until it is it is uh, a, a corporate imposed. You don't know what quarantining is. It is being in a hotel room 24 hours a day. I mean, for and I mean, I, I, I take my first. I have, a, I have a a COVID webinar webinar in 10 minutes that I have got to be. Uh, therefore. So we'll wrap, we'll make this short. I just want to thank everyone who came out to the uh, hot summer nights tour. Uh, We're going to try to do more of those. Hopefully we can. Hopefully right now, as it looks, knock on wood, everyone's doing well. Everyone's safe and healthy. I think our last point of contact with any foreigner, I mean, the guys had to get on planes, so I feel for them for that. But um, we've been, we were really good. It's so funny. I, I had said this to Halston earlier. I get a sense of like, like, oh shit, am I doing the right thing? Am I around? I'm being around too many people. The point is, we're not around anybody. I was saying to the guys at one point, I said something like my wife had to go to the DMV and go for, with Georgia and then go to, she went to the hospital, obviously. And, um, and I was like, she's had way more contact living in LA, which is a hotspot than I have in Cape Cod, where we are zero contact in and out. So these tours are from my experience, very safe. Let's hope they stay that way. Let's hope everyone, Nikki Glazer, Hannibal Burris, um, uh, Brian Regan, uh, there's a bunch of people doing these tours now and I'm, and they're all going to the same place as I have. So go check them out and, and have a good summer. Go get outdoors, enjoy some comedy. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're primarily, I mean, z- when I say zero contact, zero contact, our only, our only like loose cannons, Ron, who got to get gas, but he's pretty good about it too. So. So hopefully we'll do more of these in the fall. I got to get rid, wrap up this thing I'm doing, and then uh, and then I'll let you know if if we decide to do more dates. But thank you everyone for came out. Jersey, Philly, Cape Cod, Columbus, Louisville, Wichita. I apologize. Kansas City, Memphis, Butler, PA. I mean these were just really, really, really like amazing shows. It was, ama- it was an amazing, amazing tour. I had a blast. I had an absolute blast. So thank you, everyone, for coming out. Today's podcast is with a guy I've been, I've been, I've been bragging on forever lately. It seems like I always bring his name up because he's like, he's just one of those guys that like is fucking awesome. Like the way he does stand up is different than the way other people do stand up. And you know that's what I hang my hat on these days. Is I get. I get obsessed with watching people do it differently. I watched a thing, you'll hear it in the read. I watched this movie on Van Gogh the other day. And to know that Van Gogh and, and Gauguin were both kind of really ahead of their time and not appreciated artists. And it's because they were doing stuff so different that people couldn't understand it. You look at like that in comedy and you go, you know, sometimes what's appreciated is easy joke telling because it's a good joke. It's like, the math is there. And then sometimes you see like a guy like, I'll say myself, I'm not saying I'm Van Gogh or Gauguin, but I'm saying like a long form storytelling doesn't have a space in open mic comedy. Um, someone who has a different voice in open mic comedy doesn't get heard often, um, even with featuring and with hosting, definitely with hosting. And, and it's not until you get to headline where you really get to find your voice. That's why I think these hour specials are so important because that is the art form is, is one hour of comedy. I remember me and Segura being obsessed with the fact that we, we, we learned an hour and then to go back and do 30, I can do 30, but it's not what I do best. What I do best is an hour is callbacks at the end that 
Like it's it's it, the art form is an hour. I watched this man do an hour of stand up comedy in Omaha, and I was mesmerized. He's such he's got such great rhythm and performance and 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 writing. His writing is so on. I, I, I talk about this a little bit. The way he tells a story, it, sometimes when I hear someone tell a story, I go, oh, those are tricks. I, I get the tricks. You needed to punch up your story. You added a trick. I do that a lot of times. But his, he, his stories are not tricks. He is doing an hour on Zoom. Wait, what is it, Austin? Give me the exact info. Yeah, his virtual show is going to be 15 bucks on RushTix.com, R-U-S-H-T-I-X.com, August 28th. August 28th, that is three days from now. So make sure to get tickets. Go see him. He is absolutely one of the best dudes working. And I'm telling you right now, it, when everything kicks back up, he will be a $45 ticket in theaters. That is without a doubt. He is amazing. We talk a little bit about his friendships with Kid Rock and with with um, with Zach. We talk about Zach Myers. I just met Zach, Zach Myers from Shinedown's house. Um, I, Zach was kind of giving me his house when I was in Memphis. So you're going to love this podcast. He's a great dude. Make sure to see his Zoom. Give me the info again. It is on the 20... The 28th at RushTix.com. The 28th of August at RushTix.com. His name is Chris Porter. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, today's BirdCast, Chris Porter. What's up, Chris? What up, Bert? <laughs> you ready, Austin? Fuck. God damn. <laughs> Fucking mask world we're living in. I'm losing my shit, Chris. I, I, no, I get it. Shit. You're halfway to the car and you're like, fuck my mask. Dude, I'm in the I'm on the road right now, and this has yeah. been so it's it you know, at first I thought I thought it was irresponsible to go on the road, so I was like you should stay at home. And then you hear your your people are at home getting it too. They're walking around LA getting it. So you're like, fuck, it's just about being careful. It's just about and it sucks. Yeah, and, but it's and also the people want it. They need something to get out of the house. And you know, concerts aren't happening. And yeah, you know, you gotta do it any way you can. That's what I said. I mean, I think the crowds have been so appreciative. You have you what you were just in Vegas. Yeah, I was just in Vegas, but I was just hanging out. But I did shows, and it wasn't great, but I did shows at the American Comedy Club in San Diego, and we're literally on the side, on a sidewalk, like, of an active street. Like, I got really? heckled by an ambulance kind of shit. Sweet. Tell me all the shows you've done. Uh, I did, I did, the first one I did after the quarantine started was Tempe, and, you know, the improv has always been, like, super well-run. So, you know, everything was top notch. Like everyone was wearing masks. They made sure no one came in the green room. Someone was always around me to make sure like no one came and talked to me or anything. That's great. Uh, just yeah, I, did, I did one at, I did one at, uh, at uh, Stand Up Live. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, they were really good. No one came in the green room. The most important thing, to me is that everyone's socially distant in the crowd and then there's no contact for sure. And we were fine. We, we went through and did those shows and we were fine. You want people to be comfortable. Yeah. And I know like, especially in the Midwest and probably Arizona, a lot of people are comfortable 
doing whatever. But, you know, there are people that aren't. And those those are the people that you really want to protect. And uh, but then I did Raleigh. Same deal. Taking temperatures, being responsible. Uh, you know, a couple of times I didn't wait long enough for the audience to leave before I tried to sneak out the back. So a couple of times, like I had drunk fans be like, can we take a picture? Like they threw their arm around me and it's like, well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, I, I had some guy Corona rape me in uh, Simeo. <laughs> I was walking on stage. He just jumped and grabbed me. He goes, I fucking love you, bro. And I'm like, God oh, damn it. You're like, now I have to go fucking bathe myself in Perel. I just oh. was like, as careful as you try to be, you can't fucking help it. Is someone's, you, you're, you're just, your just up to the whim of the average stranger. Yeah. And you, but I mean, also, that being said, try to be careful, I guess. Like, yeah, 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 right. Some of the Dude, we went to the Ozarks on a family vacation, and I made the mistake of walking into a McDonald's in the middle of Missouri, and they looked at me like I was the asshole because I was wearing a mask. Oh. Like, it was... I mean, we're also talking about a place where people were open carrying weapons. <laughs> like, it's it's a whole... Like the Ozarks are also that way, but the space between Kansas City and the Ozarks is fucking it's it's cousins dating is what it is. And it's fucking weird. The uh, the Ozarks was the one that was getting lit up for the having those parties. Yeah, at that one place. And so we were very cool. Like it was like my whole family. So we just stayed as a family, although my like, listen, my relatives are super Trumpy, some of them, and they're like, it's a hoax. And I'm like, okay, well, it's a it's a hoax over there then. Can you just keep six feet away from me? Yeah, pretend, let's just say I'm superstitious then, okay? Yeah. <laughs> let's just, I'm, I'm gassy. Let's just pretend I'm just lighting it up over here and you stay the fuck away from me. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really crazy because we went on a family vacation to Arizona, the fucking hot, hot COVID really say a really smart dad i am but i was like i was like my daughters were like you did the whole you traveled the whole country and didn't get that you it, there's got to be a safe way to do this and i said yeah there is we'll get a winnebago we'll stay socially distant we'll do activities that are socially distant we got a boat we were on a boat by ourselves we never went where anyone else was yeah. it was perfect and then um it was a so funny my wife that we rented jet skis. We had another family with us. We rented jet skis and she went to pull up the jet ski and there was a, a family of six, uh, six black kids, you know, and the mom that were in, in front of them in line and it was all rented from the same jet ski company. So they pulled their jet skis up first and then my wife and her friend pulled her jet skis up and then the guy who's got all the jet skis has also got a van taking everyone back to the car and he's like, all right, ladies, get in. And my wife's like, I'm not getting in there. Cause there's six people in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he goes, <laughs> oh, and he no. walking and he goes, yeah, uh, the people I'm, uh, taking refuse to get into the van because the other people are, uh, I guess they're black. And Malian's like, no, I'm not getting in cause they're black. Like I'm getting in cause there's a fucking pandemic fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it is crazy. Like on one of the stops we made, there was a guy who was a fan and we were at a dude ranch. And he was like, he was like, dude, Burke Kreischer, what the fuck? And I was like, how you doing? And I had a mask on. And he goes, I didn't know you were one of those masks. And I was like, 
What, you mean the guy that believes in science? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. Yeah, the guy that realizes he might not know everything about everything, so he's yeah. just going to take the expert's word for it. The guy who still wore condoms when he lost his virginity because he was afraid that he'd get AIDS. Yeah, 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 that's me. God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you know, like most of these no mask people got like D's in high school science. <laughs> and it's like, of course you don't think it is because you don't even understand the basics of how shit works. <laughs> like it's you didn't just, just all everyone... of a sudden learn that shit. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like if you live... Like I've been around in the middle of the country for this majority of this tour. And I get it. I mean, I get it not wearing a mask and being outside and being distant from people. I get all that. I get going to my show, like we're doing drive-ins and I yeah. get being in your car with your family and no, not, and no one wearing a mask in the audience. Cause you don't need Absolutely. to, cause you're like fucking 20 feet away from the next person. I get all of that. I get all of yeah. that. It's just, it's being in public places, like walking into a gas station and not wearing a mask. And I'm like, come on, bro. Like, yeah, you, you got to realize that if anyone's getting it, it's you. And by you not wearing a mask, you're just spreading it as much as you can. Yeah, but also realize that you don't know everything. Yeah. Like, you know, respect the fact, respect what you don't know. A lot of people are just like, oh, it's not going to be that way. How? Why? They're like, I don't know, because I think so. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what was it like? What was it like for you the first time back on stage? Uh, it was, uh, like if you ever not snow skied in a long time and then you just hop back on the mountain, it's so like good. you're like, I kind of remember how this goes, but holy <laughs> fuck, it's going a lot faster than I remember. <laughs> That's exactly what it feels like. You're like, God damn it. I'm going pretty quick. I got to fucking, I got to be, oh shit. Do some crowd work. Snowplow, snowplow, snowplow. <laughs> Yeah, man. And you're like, I used to be able to turn. I, I can't turn. I can't turn. Fuck. Tree, tree, tree. Oh, and I still have 40 minutes left. <laughs> Dude, my whole first tour I did, I swear to God, Chris, I would get to, I would get to 35 minutes and I'd be like, I'm done. Like, I've done all of it. Is it too early to start the machine? Maybe I'll tell two <laughs> stories. Hey, maybe I'll do the machine twice. <laughs> Dude, I, my, I, that is exactly what happened is like, I, every night I got to 35 minutes. I was like, I have told all my new ideas. <laughs> oh, I've been doing a Q and a, I mean, I always do a Q and a usually during the checks. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's been a lot long. It's been more of a press conference at this point. <laughs> town hall meeting. Just like, Hey, are you sure? No more questions. Come on. I'll give you a second. Just think one. Can you guys, can you guys make your questions longer, please? I'd really appreciate that. If you could tell me a story about how you got to your question, that would really help me out. <laughs> oh, dude. It's crazy. I mean, my first time on stage, I got up loose, like loose when you, when you're confident and you get up at the store somewhere and you're like, I'm gonna fuck around for a little bit. And I started fucking around and just real quick got panicked and was like, hey, I don't know where this is going. And I don't know what I really don't know where like normally. And I, I, I don't think other people that aren't comics know this, but like normally when you fuck around, you always have an out in your brain. Like I can go I can go here. And I yeah. just didn't have my out. I didn't know where to go. And then I stumbled and then I got my out and then I 
totally just like, wait, what's this connected to? And then I'm like, motherfucker, I, the whole time. Yeah, that's that's what I struggled with. You were like, I know there's more to this. I remember it goes somewhere. And then like five minutes into your act, because what I what I what I think a lot of people don't know about stand up is whatever we're saying, we're thinking five jokes ahead of that. So yeah. we don't we're not really knowing the words that come out of our mouth. So that's why when like a lot of people are like, when you get interrupted, you're like, what the fuck was I talking about? Because you genuinely don't remember where you were in the bit. But like, I would be like, okay, what's the next line? We're coming to it. We're coming to it. Bail, bail, bail. Sorry, goose. Like, uh, and then, yeah. And I, but I was real cool when I went, it, what was really cool. I, I mean, I'm always really cool, but, uh, I got up on stage. I was like, look, I haven't done this shit in eight weeks. So there is definitely a joke or two that are going to come up and I'm just going to say, that's the end of that one. Cause I genuinely don't remember how it goes. And I did it. And the audience thought that was funny just because I called my shot. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's funny. But, you can, you, it's, it's like, I, well, I just fucking farted out of shit. Um, I, I came up with my first new bit, my first new bit that I love. And, uh, like the other day at fucking Zach's house, oddly enough, I want yeah. to talk about Zach for a little bit, but, uh, I came up with a bit at Zach's house. We were eating lunch on his back porch and uh i came up with the bit and i was like oh i'm gonna tell that on stage tonight and then i told him on stage and it fucking murdered that feeling i haven't had that feeling in so long like yeah and normally that's a feeling that shows up like once a month where you're like oh i got it and i figured out another joke i figured it out i'm like god damn it this trip has been that first tour i did has been all like trying to figure out my legs again and this one's been oh i'm back i'm writing i love this is what i do my problem is I'm losing my voice like crazy. Like I'm losing my voice so quickly. Yeah. Just cause it's not, it's not warmed up or it's not in shape. It's not in shape. And it, and normally it's like you lose your voice at the beginning of the year when you start your tour and then you kind of get it back and then you just get, you, you get, you get your workarounds. I've been screaming. Like, I mean, every, I feel like all my fucking bits are loud as shit. And so, and then I also, I'm in a valley or a cavern whenever I do shows. So I'm like, yeah. I think my, my, my tone's probably up, but, um, dude, Zach Myers is a fucking God. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a really good dude for How sure. long have you known Zach? Uh, was it 13? I think, yeah. uh, they were making an, a record. I think it was threat to survival. So maybe it's 14 or 15, but, uh, yeah, he hit me up on Twitter and was like, hey, man, I'm in town. I'm at this band uh, that I'd only semi heard of. And uh, he was like, I th he was like a big fan, but I also think we'd get along. And so we met and uh, I, yeah, like after that, after that breakfast, I was like, I've known this dude way longer than I've known this dude. Like it just kind of clicked and uh, yeah. we've been friends ever since. So Zach, for everyone who doesn't know, is the guitarist of shine down yeah and he's got other bands he's got i mean he's an interesting guy i want to do a pod them but i'm fascinated he's been in music since he was like 14 yeah he was a child guitar prodigy like he was in that he actually went on tour with like johnny lang and kenny wayne shepherd so he's like in that realm of fucking 
young guitarists that could just shred away. Like he's played with uh Buddy Guy and BB King and all these dudes. Like he can just yeah. That's so crazy. Like I you know, I met him I met him I think through you. We were doing a show together and he was like <clears throat> uh for Rope over Lori in Cleveland and he was like he was like, hey, man, I'm Zach. I'm friends with Porter. And I was like, oh, cool. Immediately, I was like, all right, I, this guy's normal then. Yeah. <laughs> and we started just texting back and forth about, like, barbecue. And 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 then he found out that we were he, we were in Kansas City. And I think he thought we were in Memphis at the time. And he was like, hey, man, my house is empty. You want it? It's yours. And I was like, yeah. I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh, this must be like a, a like a, a tax haven right is he's got a house here and he never used it and he's like get some use out of it and yeah. so we're like oh we're in kansas city and he's like oh i thought you were in memphis i'm like oh i'm in memphis tomorrow and he's like oh take my house uh my tour assistant will help you get in it's great we pull up i'm sound asleep on the bus i wake up at like noon we're already there we get in it's a fucking home it's where he lives with his family like he he gave yeah. me his home give me like some tax haven his home and then he's like eat everything in the fridge just fucking use the pool. Uh, if you had to do a podcast, my guitar room, check out the sneaker thing. I'm in that house going like crazy, trying to be respectful too. I'm not doing any Instagram videos. And then yeah. as we're about to leave, I text him. I was like, yo, thank you so much. And uh, he was like, I've been waiting for you to put a video up about my shoes or something. No, there's something like he's like, I thought you'd do some Instagram videos. And I was like, that's so funny. I was being respectful because I thought your wife would get pissed. He was like, she didn't give a fuck. And I'm like, everyone back into the house i was like this is good content <laughs> yeah no that shit and what's funny enough i was there like three days four days b before you got there yeah what if you got you guys have been like flying around the country you and he yeah we uh we have a friend who's done very well for himself and uh i just you know my whole august got canceled in like one day and so i just texted mark and i was like hey i'm gonna come up to green bay just get out of the heat. And he's like, come on, man. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, well, we're going to Vegas that weekend. And so that kind of morphed into, well, I'm just going to go to Memphis and hang out with Zach. And then Mark's just going to come pick us up on his way to Vegas. And uh, he's a lot of fun to hang out with in Vegas because he stays in the in like the mansions of the MGM. So like He's got a pool that's got like eight people in it. Wait, who is that. his friend? Uh, he owns grocery stores in Wisconsin, like a bunch really? of them. And he's just, but he's also just a great normal dude. Like he doesn't, he just talks to you like he doesn't make all that money, but also you're in his giant house. That's crazy. And, and so, and Zach, you know, uh, is also that guy. So we all just kind of hang out. And so we've, I've, we've had that kind of weekend before. So I was like, it's kind of a risk reward thing where it's like, do I want to fly in a private jet and have a free room at the MGM? Yeah, I'll do COVID for that. Like, sure. Why not? <laughs> and then we ended up going to Phoenix for a little bit because, so I never even made it to green Bay, nor did I get out of the heat. It actually just got way hotter. <laughs> and <laughs> So, and then I just flew back here from Phoenix and, uh, but yeah, it was a fun weekend, a lot of nice dinners and, uh, but yeah, it wasn't, you know, Vegas isn't normal Vegas. So 
yeah. it was kind of a low key, like let's go to Vegas, eat nice. And then we'll just hang out in your giant room and make jokes and play guitar. And that's kind of what we ended up doing. How have you, you have eclectic. I'm always interested by people who have, uh, interesting friends. Like it's one of the things that I, I I've always found fascinating about Segura is he has a very eclectic group of friends that I have a really hard time being friends with a famous person. Like I just, just I always assume they want something from me or I don't know why, why they want to hang out with me. It's, it's always been like tough for me to compartmentalize or to reach out. I have a hard time reaching out to people. Yeah. How do you, I, I want to get to the bottom of like friends because <laughs> did you, did you have a lot of friends growing up or did you, were you a guy that ha- always like had friends? And then as you got older, you're good friends with Kid Rock. You're good friends with Zach. You're good friends with these very different people that maybe I would meet and I would go, Hey, it's nice meeting you. And then I would, I just distance myself. I think sometimes. Well, like as a kid, I had a lot of friends, uh, I guess, uh, like I wasn't unpopular. I was popular. I was also bullied a little bit, but then I realized, you know, that's how I got my sense of humor was like, if you make the joke first and, uh, bullies are dumb. So it's like, I, hate, I fucking that, hate bullies. I hate bullies. And luckily, you know, I played football in high school. And so I was protected by the upper class. Like they would literally be like, if you have any issues whatsoever, you let me know. And so I, so luckily football, kind of also saved me uh and then you know by the time i was a junior or a senior like it wasn't an issue so uh and then as far so i had a big learning moment at the improv one night uh with rock as far as being cool around celebrities uh we i was with anthony clark and a friend of mine it was during the last comic standing stuff and we went outside because they were having a cigarette and we came back in and Robin Williams was in our seat. And we didn't know who it was just a gray haired man from the back. So my friend taps him on the shoulder and was like, excuse me, sir. We were sitting here and turns around. It's fucking Robin Williams. And he just goes right into Robin Williams. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. And like knows Anthony Clark, but like does like four minutes of Robin Williams stick in front of my eyes. And then the whole time, like my dad's it's so weird. My dad's friend's brother and Robin Williams' brother are like own a winery together. And that's all I was trying to get out of my mouth. But I was so fucking starstruck and nervous. I was just like, hey, like I could not make words to save my life. And I just yeah. walked away from that experience. Like, don't ever just take a breath and don't, if you can't speak, don't speak. And so then, a few years later, Nick Thune was going to be on the Tonight Show with the Black Crows and invited me to go. But I, had I like forgot a th- your friends with him too. <laughs> so we had like a three, but I had like a three-hour window to kind of freak the fuck out and like devise a plan of approach when I met these dudes. And I was just like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna hang out. I'm gonna speak when spoken to, but I'm not gonna make unnecessary words. And then that paid off dividend they're like oh if you just act like a normal person around these people then they that's all they're looking for is they just want to be treated like a normal person 
And so if you hang out with them and you're not like, what was, what were you thinking when you wrote, she talks to angels? Like, what was that? Like, that's all they want. And so, and I learned a lot from that. And, and so, and the funny thing about meeting kid rock is that he was also getting back before I get into that is like, if you are on stage, they already kind of have respect for you because they know you can speak in a language and speak from a perspective they know. Yeah. And so with Kid Rock, uh, I got booked on his cruise and then found out through Steve Trevino, like Steve Trevino hung out with him a few weeks prior to the cruise and was like, he did like three of your bits and quoted you. And so then I knew like he was a fan. So then that kind of, I wasn't nervous. Also, yeah. I wasn't like meeting Kid Rock for me was not like meeting Chris Robinson. It didn't have nearly that significance. So yeah. uh, that being said, Bobby, who is Kid Rock's real name, is one of the coolest dudes on the planet. Uh, and also, we don't agree on anything politically, but we know how to, we agree on how to have a good time. And I think if that's all you really need to agree on in this world, I guess. That should be a fucking example for everyone of how to get along these days. Yeah. But that that takes a, a maturity on both sides. You know what I'm saying? Like where you're like, hey, man, I don't understand where you come from on a lot of this shit, but I genuinely like hanging out with you and uh, you don't order weird shit at dinner. So let's have a good time. Yeah. You and Segura don't have a thirstiness about you. Where you're like, and I, I I know this from being friends with both of you, is that you're not guys who overly text. We know, I, I mean, we all know those guys in the business who come off like very like, hey man, I you know just you get you get all hey happy Thanksgiving, you know, yeah. uh, hope, hope you and your family are doing. And you're like, you're doing a business thing with me. You're not trying to be genuine. Absolutely, <clears throat> like I haven't talked to you literally all year, and now you're, I've and- said your name so much and i actually said your name last night i was talking about you last night oh no i was saying i was saying like you're oh no 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 i know i was just saying oh. sidebar i have i've brought you up so many fucking times lately just randomly and last night i said we were talking about guys who like we were talking about guys who covid fucked guys who would be oh, doing yeah. theaters next year because of their touring and how it's going and guys I should be blowing up on that. And I said, it's Chris Porter. I said, I guarantee you he would be doing theaters a beginning of January, January. He would start a theater tour and it would sell out immediately. I go without a doubt. And, and I said, in a weird way, that is, he is going to make, he is going to make some clubs so much fucking money when the clubs open back up because he should, you already should be out of clubs. It's really interesting to me like what what's what's going on with COVID is I, like i'm fascinated the people i'm fascinated the people who got an opportunity to jump up to theaters right when COVID hit and they're like oh fuck now i gotta almost in a weird way that momentum's gone and then i look at a guy like you where i go your your momentum's not gone you're the guy that is like when it comes to stand-up you're like uh you're farmer strong you know what i mean yeah like you got like you ever meet a farmer and they're fucking strong as shit. And you're like, do you work out? And they're like, Oh no, no, this is just who I am. Yeah. And so you're just getting that extra time for one more run of, of clubs. You're literally, and I, I, I can't say this enough. 
You are one of the funniest dudes in our business without a fucking doubt. And, uh, <clears throat> your writing is, your writing is inspiring to me, how you go through and tell a story. And I, I, I wish I could do that better. The way you can very seamlessly tell a story that, that is, is not, it's not like a, it's not like a, um, like, you know what it is? It's not like a, Hey, I got involved with the Russian mafia. This is my story. It's like a, Hey, this happened to me and my sister or whatever. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, God damn it. That's a great story. And you're like, well, it's just, you know, it's Thanksgiving. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. Oh, well, thanks, man. Yeah. I, I work real, you know, a lot of it's just, I work real hard on just only telling you what you need to know to get the joke and then telling you the joke and moving on. It's really fucking great, man. Thanks, it's man. Really great. What um, what what are you thinking about, like with with specials and whatnot? Are you ready for your next one? I'm at about forty minutes right now, so I'm about twenty minutes short. Uh, I think that's what has affected. I mean, obviously financially it sucked, but I've been fortunate. You know, I was fortunate enough to be smart with my money leading up to it. So, like, I haven't. I'm fine in that sense, but it's really curved my writing. Because I don't, <clears throat> I don't really want to write too much quarantine material because when the clubs do reopen, that's all anyone's going to be talking about. And I think yeah. it's the last thing that audiences are going to want to listen to because they're like, oh, we're finally out of it. And now we're just going to fucking talk about it all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, breaking up with a girlfriend and then she, her calling you and still telling you all your problems. And so. And but it's also hard for me to write. I don't write about politics, uh, so it's hard for me to write about life when there isn't one. So I think it's really curved my writing in that sense. I also have a notebook full of shit I wrote at the front of the quarantine that I haven't had time to give it to give it legs simply because, like you said. Most of the time when I'm, I'm doing so few dates that when I do do the dates, I'm just trying to get my legs back and put on yeah. the best show I can. I can't, I don't really <clears throat> have the availability to like give an audience to take 10 minutes to try a new bit and it might not work because I, I just, I'm not, I'm not in shape like that yet. This podcast is brought to you by Theragun. Theragun is a fucking game changer. I brought it on the road with me for this tour and it's sitting in the hotel room with me. And I'll tell you what, when we got to the beach house, me and the, um, me and the whole team for the, after the tour, I would have to look to find who had this. They would take it into their rooms and use it on their own. It is, it's dead right now. It's dead right now because, but it comes with two batteries. The battery's not even in it. It comes with two batteries. They're super easy to charge. They've got a little stand. You charge them, throw one in absolutely amazing if you're an athlete or just a regular person like me trying to get through the day dude my hips kill me and it's real and if i throw it on my hip for a little while it opens up my hip and that's why i use theragun the handheld progressive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth speed and power but now as quiet as an electric toothbrush <laughs> that's because the all-new theragun Generation 4 has a propriety brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. You won't wonder if it's on. It makes a noise, and the noise is, oh, God, that feels so good. Oh, right there, right there, right there, right there. Oh, 
you soothe your aching muscles with the Theragun signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. I absolutely love this thing. It's here with me in the hotel room, and it will be with me everywhere. Because if you wake up, you can just throw it in your back loose. And it really does. It's like it's like a, 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 a two, an hour massage in like uh, probably like two minutes. It feels fantastic. Try the Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There is no substitute for the Theragun 4 with an OLED screen. Personalized Theragun app and the quiet and power you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash birdcast right now to get your Theragun Generation 4, the Generation 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash birdcast, theragun.com slash birdcast. This podcast and this whole past tour was brought to you by Buffalo Trace. We tore through bottles of Buffalo Trace, all seven of us. We'd open one at the beginning of the night, and I mean, it was like we were fighting for the damn thing. The distillery was named the 2020 Distillery of the Year. The San Francisco World Spirits Competition has some of the best whiskey tasters in America judging hundreds of whiskeys, and Buffalo Trace won the most, and they won our hearts on this tour bus. I'm telling you, anytime we had a commemorative shot, we'd do a little shot of Buffalo Trace, take it, and it was a shot that you didn't have to murder. You could like nicely sip and taste. It was two decades two decades ago when Buffalo Trace won the same title by Whiskey Advocate Magazine. Since then, won more awards than any other distillery in the world. Just Google Buffalo Trace and you're going to see it for yourself. They have been distilling whiskey since 1773. That is, I think that's before Van Gogh. Ever since American pioneers followed the Buffalo herds to the Kentucky River. They even operated during Prohibition with a permit to make whiskey for medicinal purposes. Sounds familiar these days, doesn't it? Their master distiller is in charge is Harlan Wheatley. He also makes craft vodka named after him called Wheatley Vodka, which we also drank on the tour bus. Dude, we were all over this man's product. Since 1995, Harlan has been stilling at Buffalo Trace. If the whiskey in the barrel isn't ready to go into the bottle, it doesn't go because they know, because they know. They know because they taste it all. The American Buffalo represents Buffalo Trace's uncompromising value. The Buffalo stands strong. It's the only bourbon with balls. Literally, literally, they're on the label. Buffalo Trace is made from corn, rye, and barley and matures twice as long as most bourbons. This Buffalo Trace bourbon ages in new oak barrels for around eight years for the robust yet balanced taste. The stuff is smooth yet complex, complex yet smooth, some would say. As the oldest continuously operated distillery in America, Buffalo Trace Distillery has experienced more than its fair share of adversities, floods, fires, wars, recessions, prohibitions, and they've endured it all. And now they're enduring through the pandemic, and this is not going to slow them down because they're making more whiskey every day and hand sanitizer, too. The governor of Kentucky designated bourbon as an essential during this time, and I could not agree more. Buffalo Trace model is stand strong. They won't compromise, especially on the taste of their whiskey. And I respect that. No wonder we won all the awards. I probably will have some Buffalo Trace tonight as I sit in my hotel room. Distilled, aged, and bottled by Buffalo Trace Distillery, 90 proof, Franklin County, Kentucky, Buffalo Trace, American, family owned, and independent. Yeah, I got lucky. I got lucky because. I don't know if, I don't know, but I have this like panic that it's all go away. So I always, whenever they offer me a gig, I take it. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they got me another tour 
starting in February, starting at the end of January. And I had just shot my special in November. And I was like, I was like, I got to, I got to bust my ass to get new material. So I went to the store every night, wrote a ton and then got on the tour. And I, those first few dates were a little bumpy where I was like all new material. And I, I, I wasn't really there. But then when I, by the time I got to um, New York and DC, I was like, Oh, I got this hour. And then COVID hit. And I was like, Whereas I think a lot of guys were like, hey, I'm cool with staying home. I don't really have any material. I need the clubs to open before I can start doing it. I was yeah. like, get get me into, uh, let's figure something out because I have an hour and I'm ready for it. And then I got yeah. on the road and I was like, I don't have an hour. I have 35 fucking minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got offered a half hour during this shit and uh, yeah. I turned it down. Uh, are they, are they, where, where are they filming that shit? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get the specifics of it. I mean, my yeah. agent was basically like, he was telling me we were going to turn it down. But even when he said it to me, I was like, yeah, no, I don't. Also, it's like my 40 minutes is 40 minutes. Like it, I can't trim 10 out of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I would, <laughs> I wouldn't know what to take out. They're pretty, my stories have gotten pretty lengthy at this point. So it's like, yeah, I, I could, I, I got offered 30 minutes. Before I did Secret Time, I got offered a thirty-minute uh, deal, and I was like, "I was like, I can't, that doesn't. That's I think that's really good for some comics. Some comics that really is better for I think. But for me, my art form is the hour, and that's what I'm better at. Yeah. You know, if you said, "Hey, I'll give you ten minutes," I, maybe I could do one bit, you know, or one chunk of what I believe yeah. is. But um, it's really interesting to me when I see like I don't mean to shit on anyone, but I, when I see young comics that get specials very early, and you see that they've never really done an hour, that they don't know how an hour works, that you can't bring up a subject, move on, then come back to that old subject again when you need it because you're running dry on material, and then go back to something else, and then go back to that. like it's like I'm I'm so it's such a disservice to a comics growth to give them too much too early. And so many people don't do well with it. I mean, if you look at the numbers of last comic standing, what, how many of the, are you, how many of there are you left? Like, did you ever think of that? Uh, very true. Uh, I mean, you know, my season. Yeah. I mean, also like they could still be working in New York and I just don't see it like with Roz G and Michelle Ballin. Like I'm just not in their scenes. So they might yeah. still be working, but I haven't seen them around here. Uh, again, that doesn't mean they're not working. I just, uh, Ty Barnett. I see every once in a while. Josh is still killing it. Yeah, he is. And then, um, but, and then Gabriel was on my season. So yeah, he's doing okay. He's doing all right. I mean, really, it's kind of an interesting fraternity to be in. I say fraternity. I'm sure that's a hate crime now, but, but it's an yeah. interesting group to be in because um, all of us, all of us, all of us tried to be in that. I mean, we all tried to, yeah. but there's only a few of you that got there. And, and, and even furthermore, there's only a, a I say a handful, it's got to be more, but like that are working and moving and doing shit yeah and it's like i mean well you got to look at well theo was last comic standing uh and eliza eliza schumer gabe gabe didn't need last comic he was doing it just to cross over yeah so i mean i guess you can count that uh and man i don't even remember here's a uh 
I don't remember who was in some of the later seasons, so it's it's hard for me to really get into yeah, the, that. The, the last season I remember. Ralphie. Oh, yeah, Ralphie. Fuck. Voss. Voss. Uh, Gary Goldman. I'm just trying to think of the early, early Hot seasons. Class. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bob McFarland. John Heffron. Hey. Uh, my season, Bill Dwyer's still doing real well. Bill More Dwyer's on the doing really side, but uh, April Macy's doing really well on the road. God, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe every, maybe it's like the the opposite is like there's only a few people not doing well. You know, those maybe that's the anomaly. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, most people sustain. Oh, Jonigan. Oh yeah, I just texted him last night. Uh, you want to talk about a fucking brilliant writer, dude? Can I tell you, I texted him last night. Last night, I said, I said, please get back into stand-up. Because he gave it up. He gave it up entirely. Really? Oh, he hung it up. He was done. He was done. Didn't want it. Didn't want to do it. Got a job. Uh, did a sitcom. Enjoyed writing. Enjoyed being at home. Um, and I, I want to say, I mean, I'm speaking for him, and I, I shouldn't. But I want to say his... Chick makes a, a good nut, like yeah, and she's like an executive or something. And so he was like, "What am I doing on the road? Like, what am I hustling for?" I'm a good stand-up. I know he knows he's a good stand-up, but he's like, "This fucking, I'll just get a. I'm gonna just take the other route." <clears throat> and I texted him last night, and I was like, "Please get back into stand-up." I literally, I swear to God, I said, "Please get back into stand-up." And then he wrote, "So funny. I, I started doing a bunch of gigs, and then the world shut down." Don't worry, yeah. I'll be back. But he is, Good. dude, I remember I worked with him at Penguins in Iowa. And he was a little kid. And he was Cedar like. Rapids or the Quad yeah, Cities one? Quad Cities. Nan that, used to run that club. Next to the casino. Next to the casino. Oh, you God. Know, <laughs> you know who hosted for me there? Who? Joe Millionaire. <laughs> Shut up. Like, he went on a tour where we, he hosted for these comedy shows. And it was just, it was basically like doing comedy at a Chippendales club is what it was. God, that's so funny. Um, I remember the week before Mike Epps had been there and Mike Epps wasn't happy with the, with the club. And I guess worst paycheck. And he said at the end of his show on, uh, on fucking Sunday night was like, you know what? Fuck this club. Don't pay your bills. Get up and leave. And everyone did. And they were like, holy shit. What? Uh, but and getting back to John again, not yeah. only was he a brilliant writer, his voice was so unique. Yes. Like it's it's one thing to be a brilliant writer and kind of sound like somebody else. But there was no one sounded like John. Again. Do you know what he he you know, he was the first guy that I realized um, like you think you're good and, you, and you, you're good in L.A. and you're you're good in New York. You're like one of the better young comics. And then you're like, go on the road. You're like. I got this dialed in. Like no one's going to step on my shit. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the man I'm headlining. He went up and did 20 minutes of such original material at, that came out of nowhere. And like I said, he was a young, he looked like he was like fucking 13. Yeah. He destroyed so hard that I had a hard time following him. So I realized I don't have jokes. Like I, I don't know what I got, but he's got jokes. I remember one of the jokes he said is I went to a strip club and I had a less than attractive stripper and she said, what would you like me to take off first? He goes, I don't know. How about my glasses? <laughs> <laughs> I 
he had such he had such a beautiful voice. And then I said to him, um, "Hey, did you watch my set?" And he goes, "Oh no, I actually." And he wasn't being rude. He goes, "I I don't watch comics because I find that when I do, I um, I start picking up their rhythms and intonations. So I try yeah. to stay away from all all comics." And he goes, "I don't mean it disrespectfully." And I was like. That's really smart. I'm like, maybe I should stop watching so much to tell. Huh? Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember the first time I ever headlined was go bananas in Cincinnati. And uh, I remember sitting at the bar with Mikey and the night before the shows. And I go, who's my feature? And he looked at me, he goes, his name's John Evans. And he's going to blow your fucking doors. <laughs> and uh, he was, and he, uh, he definitely made me work. John Evans is fucking also a great writer. And one of those dudes that like moved out to LA, what, you know, and I'm sure, you know, a bunch of them. There's a bunch of amazing comics that just came out here and said, nah, fuck it. I'll just go work a regular job and do comedy every once in a while. Yeah. And, uh, you know what? I'm gonna be real honest with you. Sometimes I envy those motherfuckers. You know, it's so funny. I remember talking to a guy. Um, I, I won't say his name only because he knows who he is, but I remember talking to a guy and we were in uh, we were in his city in Ohio. And I said to him, man, you're so funny. Why don't you move to L.A.? And he said, you know, I love my city. I said, what? And he goes, I love my sports teams. I grew up here. I don't need... I don't need fame. I just need to make a living and I can do that on the road and then live in the city. He goes, I got a great house. My, my wife's got a great job. And if I have kids, I want them to grow up around my family. And I was like, oh, how are you so well-rounded? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, like even now when you see everyone fucking moving, everyone's moving. I'm, I'm getting texts every day, every fucking day from another comic going, Hey man, I'm out. Yeah. And I'm jealous. I'm really jealous that I don't. I'm jealous for a number of reasons. I'm jealous because I don't have that. I don't have that possibility at all, at all to go somewhere. Yeah. I don't have the, we don't have that network. Like we're not, you know, with both my girls are in high school. So like, you can't like pull them out of junior year of high school. Absolutely not. And then you're like, I mean, last night, uh, just to, you know, I don't know how much of this will be shared in my life, but we had an accident at our house last night. Um, my wife got up and fell really bad and her teeth went through her lip and she was knocked unconscious and there was blood everywhere. And then she woke up and she was like freaked out. And then this morning called me, went back to bed, this fucking woman. She's so stubborn, but Living in LA, I just bit through my lip. It's fine. I'll just ice it. She put a bandaid on it. She just put a bandaid on it and then called me this morning and was crying and was like, I think I need to go to the hospital. I don't know. And then she's like, I got all this shit going on. I need help. And I, it's so nice to live in a community, to know your friends, know your neighbors, start calling doctors that you know. And like, I don't know if I moved to Austin, if I would have that circle of friends where you could be on the road and go, Hey, let me take care of everything from here. And yeah. I know our veterinarian. I know not that she's going to the vet, but we have one of our dogs has to go to the vet. But I know our vet. I know our vet. My sisters are there. I mean, it's just, that was an ill-timed so, mention, but yeah. But um, 
but I'm jealous of like Steve Byrne. I think Steve Byrne's moving to Nashville and you're like, yeah, "Yeah, you've got young kids. Fuck. You know, I talked to Tim Dillon. He goes, I don't even have an apartment right now. Like I'm just fucking floating around. And you're like, God, like must be nice. You know? Yeah. I, I've loved Los Angeles since I was 14. Like we came out here, my aunt and uncle lived out here for, for like 10 years and I flew out here and immediately was like, why the fuck don't we live here? It's January. It's 75 degrees. There's an obvious palpable energy in this city that I can feel. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would have probably moved out here at least for a little bit, no matter what industry I got into. Yeah. And a lot of people literally came out here simply to have a career and there's no career to be had here right now. And also I think a lot of people are starting to figure out, you know, this has been a time of self-reflection where you kind of look around and go, what the fuck am I doing? And if it, and if it doesn't make, if you look around and it doesn't make sense, then yeah, absolutely. I understand a lot of people leaving town. Uh, I, I kind of called it, especially listen, uh, if this shit would have gone down five years ago, maybe even three years ago, about now I would have to be like, I'll be back, but I have to go home. Yeah. Uh, luckily I'm at a, I'm at a place now where like, I'm fine. Uh, I'm getting enough gigs here and there. Also, you know, money off your records, the mailbox money helps. And, uh, it's, you know, I'm learning, but yeah, I, uh, it's, uh, but yeah, a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of the dudes at the comedy store, especially have day jobs and have shit. And if that shit goes away, they were already paycheck to paycheck and those paychecks go away, man. You got to go somewhere. And yeah, uh, I think it's, it's, it's going to be thin when we, when we pick back up, it's going to be real thin. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. I mean, it's, it's, and you start thinking like, shit, like, I, you know, if I, I there, I mean, I, I'm not that far out of, you know, in, in my life of like going, I need to reassess shit because yeah. like, I'm, I'm okay now, but like, I may not have been, you know, a two, no, maybe like four years ago, I definitely five years ago, I would have been fucking screwed. And with kids, I would have been like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, and even this, you know, when this started, I, we were supposed, we'd bought a house and we were going to redo it. And I was like, fuck that. Like I go, that's a luxury. You don't get that luxury. We have this property. It's not that much. We'll, we'll own that property. And then if we have to sell that property, we'll just sell that property. But let's just stop everything. Absolutely. And, and and it's amazing that perspective. Here's what I also think. Everyone's leaving, right? I've never felt like I've never felt like I deserve to um, call myself someone who lives in Los Angeles, Los Angelinos. I've never felt like I've earned that. Like you look at like Jack Nicholson and 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 uh and like Leonardo DiCaprio going to Lakers games, or you look at Spike Lee going to a Nets game, a Knicks game, and you're like, yeah, those guys earn those are that's their team, that's their city. I feel yeah. like when all this shit clears up, I am definitely earned 
the right to, I'm like, I might get Lakers tickets. Like, fuck this. This is my city. Like when everyone leaves and I decide to stay and pay all the fucking bullshit taxes that we have to pay, no I get shit. to own. I'm going to start watching KCAL 9 all every fucking day. <laughs> you know, you know, when uh, I decided, well, I was in an Uber and the guy was a unicorn, you know, someone actually from LA. Yeah. And uh, he goes, how long have you lived here? And I was like, I think at the time it was 12 years. He was like, oh, no, you're an Angelino. He was like, you've lived here long. He's like, if you get past 10 years, you're here. If you can stay through COVID, then you really earned. Oh, a thousand percent. Uh, That being said, I will, I will never root uh, for the angels. uh, (laughs) I will always root for the Royals. I won't root for the fucking chargers or the, I'll root for the Rams because they're NFC. But, uh, and that's why I root for the Dodgers is because they're NL, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm always going to be a Kansas city sports guy though. I wonder what it's going to do to the fucking Rams. The Rams just built that new stadium and just sold season tickets to everyone three years ago. I wonder what is going to happen to that fucking stadium. Well, I mean, it's what, what are they going to do? Tear it down. It's going to survive. It's just going to, there, there's going to be probably maybe a change of hands of ownership depending on what you know how they did it and you know i don't know i think listen everything's going to go back to normal eventually i mean yeah, but, no our, one, but our city is going to have what do you think what do you do you think our city's population is going to be affected at all yeah it's going to be reduced uh not but then as soon as shit goes back to normal people are going to come back like yeah. the whole industry isn't going to leave it might disperse a little bit and it might change how much property they need. You know, I think there's probably going to be a lot more working from home, but you're still, they still have all these studios and they still have all this shit and they still have all this shit to shoot. So like, they're not going to stop making movies in Los Angeles. So like it might take longer than you want it to, but it might not be next year, but most likely by 22, I think we're at concerts, full capacity again, all that shit. If for no other reason, then people are going to say, fuck it. I've already had it four times. I'm fine. Like, I want to see Slayer. Yeah. I I mean, that's what I love about these drive-ins is, you know, people are so appreciative that you're giving them a safe option to go out. I wish they were more. I I was toying around with the idea of buying a drive-in movie theater. And, and setting up shop for comics and going like, yeah. like, let's do show, like set it up perfectly. Like the way I know it should be done. I mean, I'm Chris, I can't tell you, I'm such a fucking aficionado on driving movies right now. Like yeah. I can tell you, I could make a run for, I could set up a tour that comics would lose their fucking minds over and be like, these are the greatest shows I've ever done in my fucking life without a doubt. And there are some that's, that are not ideal. Mm-hmm. Even the ones that aren't ideal, you go like Tulsa, right? Tulsa's drive-in is right next to an interstate. So as you're doing shows, people are driving at 70 miles per hour and by you. But God damn it, if that wasn't the greatest show I've ever done in my life, it was the way they sit them. Like they sit them close to the stage. Yeah. I fucking swear to God, I want to start a touring company and just do drive-ins. Like, Fuck it's, yeah, man. There's so much I, fucking fun. I love 
first off, the fact that you're on a tour bus is like my dream. And I'm so uh, my dream too. So glad you get to too. do that shit. And uh, but the, when I saw the show where like there was lightning in the background and stuff like that, like that shit, you're like, fuck yeah, that's how you fucking do a show. Dude, dude, that was uh that was in um that was in Memphis. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it was the other night, and it was just it, they lightning was within seven miles, so they go, hey, we're gonna hold it off. It's going to go right over us. But it, once it goes over us, it'll be like 30 minutes. We're good. So it sprinkled thunder and lightning. By the way, no one in this country care, gives a fuck about lightning at all. If they don't give yeah. a fuck about lightning, they definitely don't care about COVID. Like yeah. <clears throat> lightning goes over us and then it gets on the other side of the stage. I'm getting pulled up to the stage and I'm seeing a lightning storm behind the stage. It is so beautiful. And I'm like, I get up there. I'm like, Larry, is this safe? And he goes, you're fine. It's not even hitting the ground. It's definitely seven miles away. You're fine. Get on. And it is, I'm on stage and I can feel the, the background lighting up behind me. I'm like, I keep, I'm like on stage going, please say someone's filming, like getting wide shots of this. This is so yeah. beautiful. Absolutely. Were they? Oh my God. Did I show you the tour, bu- the picture they got of the tour bus with me on stage? No. Oh my God. Um, Take a look at this. Insta? Take a look at this. Okay. Tell me if this isn't. Okay, hold on. Oh, fuck. That's awesome. That's crazy. Fucking. That's not your fucking next album cover. It's, I'm like, it's, it's been, uh, it's been really interesting. And then, you know, yesterday we, we paid some guy to throw batting practice to us. (laughs) So we took batting practice and the fucking, it's, I think I'm hemorrhaging, I'm hemorrhaging money, but, but it's been funny shit. (laughs) it's a pandemic who isn't yeah right hey um i wanted to talk to you about getting hit in the head with a golf ball okay i never i never knew that happened and i i saw the picture of that scar and i was like holy shit uh yeah it's uh so i was playing golf with my mom i was 17 and i was about well, it was July 15th and fucking, yeah, I was waiting for her to hit. And all of a sudden this, I just got hit. My head hurt a lot. And I remember when I got hit to this day, I remember I saw a vision of a ball getting hit off the tee. And then I went down. I don't know if I was out for maybe a second or two, but it wasn't very long. And I got back up. And I had just gotten contacts. Oh, I knew I was out for a second because mom was here. And then all of a sudden she was here. And uh, I had just gotten contacts. And when I'm holding my head, my mom thought I was just dealing with that. And she's like, what's up? And I was like, I got hit. And this old man comes around. It was like a dog leg. So he didn't know he'd done it. And he comes around looking for his ball. And I just, like, I rolled my mom's car. And I've still never seen her as angry as I saw. She went complete gorilla on this dude. Just, and, uh, you know, I was 17, so I thought I was bulletproof and invisible. So I was like, I'm fine. Let's just keep playing. Pardon the hole. I was doing all right. Played like five more holes. And then like the headache got a lot worse and went home and, not knowing much about head injuries, I was like, I'm just going to take a nap, sleep. That's the best off. number one thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Ask my wife. So, uh, she unconscious last night and just put a bandaid on her lip and went back to bed. Way to go, honey. 
<laughs> so I called my buddy to tell him the story. He's like, man, you don't sound right. And I was like, I'm fine. And then the headache got like three times worse. So we went to the hospital and I just remember getting to the triage desk and the girl goes, what's wrong? And I just threw up all over the desk for real. And uh, by the way, if you do that, you get right in. There's no <laughs> waiting. And uh, so we, we go in and I get cat scanned or whatever. And the, the doctor comes in and I just, we found out later. I just so happened to go in when the number one neurologist in Kansas city was on call. And so he comes in and he's like, and he's so calm about it. He goes, Hey man, uh, this is what's happened. Uh, when the ball hit you, it cracked your skull and it caused your brain to bleed. And the blood has started to clot between your brain and your skull. And he goes, so we need to get in there and get the blood clot. And he, but he just said it like that. I was like, well, if I have the surgery, can I play football? Cause it was my senior year started in two weeks. And, uh, he was like, no. And I was like, well, then why don't we just wait till the end of the season and have the surgery then so I can play. And he goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If you don't have the surgery right now, the blood will continue to clot around your brain and you will die one of the most painful deaths anyone's ever died ever oh, by tomorrow. And I was like, and then I was just like, why are you even giving me the option then? Why are we even doing, like, why aren't we just doing this? And so I was like, obviously we're having the surgery. So we go in and then I just wake up. I don't know, eight, nine hours later with a, gauze helmet and my dad sitting next to me and i spent two days in intensive care and then two days in the regular hospital and then i got released and ended up having you know got had to go to school like three weeks later with 86 stitches across my dome and so what they did was they like drilled out a piece of my skull and used three wires to hold it in place while the bone fused back together and then Obviously, the wires fused in too, but one of them had a, like a little bit of slack in it where I could like move it and it would click in my head, right? But I thought only I could hear it, so I kind of did it when I was thinking or I was nervous, <laughs> and I was taking a test one day and it was super quiet and I'm just clicking away, and finally the girl next to me looks around. She goes, "Does anyone else hear the?" fucking clicking sound <laughs> i was like no no i don't hear anything oh fuck. and then yeah and it took a while to heal and uh i went through a pretty they don't tell you that you go through a pretty major depression after a head injury i didn't find out till like seven years later uh but yeah i just thought i was sad because i was 18 yeah. and uh but uh yeah it was uh it was it was rough but uh, I was, it, it changed my, like, I'm so glad it happened because it changed my life for the better. At the time I had already kind of sort of committed to Naval ROTC. Like we were starting that paperwork and then I was going to try to apply. I would not have gotten in, but I was going to apply to the Naval Academy and I would have finished officer's school just in time for nine 11. Oh my God. And that being said, I would have been in the Navy. I would have been 
I would have most likely been fine. Yeah. Uh, but what it did do was send me to KU and then, which is how I found stand up and which is what has led me to this weird, this great life where I hang out with rock star heroes and fly in my friend's private jets to Vegas. Yeah. So it's like, it all worked out for the better. And I'm so glad it happened. I wonder, I wonder how many of us have had head injuries that changed the way we see things. Uh, like I, don't I, know. I, I definitely, I had a head injury in college and I want to say, I want to say it changed me, but I don't know. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. I had a pretty severe head injury in college. Not as bad as yours. That was like, I saw that picture of those stitches and I was like, what, wait, who is that? Did that just, wait, where, when did that happen? Yeah. It was crazy. It's not something like, you know, it's not something that comes up a lot organically in conversations. So it's like, not something I've, you know, told a lot of people I've tried to do a bit about it, but people, I don't know if they don't grasp exactly what happened, but it's, uh, it's never really translated into a funny thing. This podcast is brought to you by Miller High Life. Miller High Life brings pride to the simple things in life. It is an unpretentious quality beer with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles in an iconic glass bottle accessible to all. Celebrate wins of every day with Miller High Life, whether they're big or small. They're the moments in life in every day worth celebrating. Celebrate with Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. This summer, Miller High Life was raising a can to celebrate the summer's simplest moments with the limited edition champagne cans. We celebrated the other day in Virginia Beach, the end of the Hot Summer Nights tour. We took two days off. We like to call it quarantining for our families. A little more, actually, when you consider the travel and whatnot. And we all raised a Miller High Life as we played uh, horseshoes in the back and bocce ball. It was amazing. Look, whether it's Maybe, whether if you don't have a bad but maybe it's just getting everyone together for the first time and the grill fires up for summer. These limited edition cans are in stores now. Their founders believe that everyone should get a little piece of the good life. Enjoy the good life, which is why they created the Champagne of Beers, which Miller High Life has been famously known for over 100 years. This summer, get one of these limited edition champagne cans to celebrate the special simple moments they are in stores now but only available for a limited time miller high life the champagne of beers a quality beer within everyone's reach celebrate responsibly miller brewing company milwaukee wisconsin i'd like to thank my sponsor whoop look fully charged fully charged you see that as a podcast listener uh you know a lot about a lot you know the inside of everything, but do you know enough about you? Whoop is the 24-7 health and fitness tracker designed to change that. It monitors critical daily metrics like recovery, sleep, and strain, and it's personalized to your baseline so you can know when you're improving your fitness and when you're falling behind and when it's time to rest. Look, right now for me, I'm in quarantine, and... It's in, it's 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 interesting to me to know if I'm getting enough sleep. I'm not leaving the room. If I'm getting enough sleep and how hard to train. When I'm training by myself in this room, it's a nightmare. But if I throw on the strain tracker, I, I look, I'll tell you more about that. With all the stresses going on in the world right now in our lives, it's best time to monitor your health and on a deeper level. 
whether you're looking to know how your body's recovering or how hard you should train like myself or how well you slept like myself, Whoop provides those insights in real time with their built-in app feature. Today, Whoop is helping workers, universities, and pro athletes stay healthy, healthy while returning to work and sports. This has been one of the best fitness trackers I've ever used without a fucking doubt. This tells you more about your resting heart rate, your recovery, how you slept, the recovery you got when you slept more than anything. It lets you know how hard to train. Whoop, it has a strain coach. This is what I was telling you about earlier, which actually gives you optimal target exertion goals for your workouts or activities based on what your body's signaling it can handle. If you're still training at home, this is the perfect feature for you. Or if you can see right now, when I have my little workout area behind me and working out in a hotel can be very, very, very unmotivating. But if you're trying to get your little thing on your phone to get to a certain level, and you know if you keep going, it's pushing up. That is how you do it. It's perfect for at-home use. And based on how strenuous your day is, the app also has a built-in sleep coach, which is amazing for me right now because it actually lets you know how much sleep you need to get so you can wake up and be recovered based on your performance goals, which you can set. For my listeners, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code BERT at checkout. Go to whoop.com. That's W H. OOP.com and enter Bert at checkout to save 15% off. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, optimize your performance with a whoop. Yeah, I've always tried to do bits about um, Travel Channel and it just, they never connect. People are always like, I, yeah, I don't want to hear about your vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no, it's like when beautiful people talk about how hard it is to be pretty. You're like, no, that's, it's hard for me to resonate with that. Yeah. I, I, do you think you'll ever have kids? I, you know, I'd like to have kids, uh, but also I'm at an age now where if I met a girl that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with and she didn't want to have kids, like I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Did you think you were going to have kids when you were younger? Uh, I think, yeah, I think. You know, definitely when I got to be like 32, 33, like I was like, oh, all my friends are starting to get married and have babies. And like, like there was definitely like a freak out session about that where I, where I did think about moving to back home to Kansas city because the career wasn't going super great. And I wasn't doing anything in LA that I couldn't do in Kansas city. Yeah. And to the point where I even talked to the family priest about it. And cause we were at a party, like this priest is like, I grew up in a very heavily Catholic family. Like yeah. the church, my parents go to was started by my great, great grandparents. Oh, wow. And so that being said, I left the church a long time ago. Uh, so I, but this priest, I've always kind of respected his opinion. And we were somewhere where at a party where someone asked him a question and he gave like this cool like parable from the bible and like kind of puts it into perspective and i was like i kind of grab him like hey man uh could we meet for a beer and and maybe talk about some shit and he was like buddy you're buying beers i'm in i was like great so we go meet for a beer and i i'm like you know i'm at this weird place in my career and you know i could probably move home and you know i'm thinking i'd like to have a family blah 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 and he just kind of went 
because I was expecting like another like parable and story. And he just went, well, do you have some money saved up? And I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, come on back. I don't know. You can always move back. I was just like, well, fucking that bullshit. So, <laughs> so I stayed out there and luckily I did. Cause then I think ugly and angry came out a few years later. And then, you know, things have definitely started to go up since then. And, uh, but also I grew up and kind of look when I got, when I got last comic standing, it was definitely life changing. And, but I definitely thought I was a rock star and that's why I dressed the way I was. And I didn't really take the business side of things, uh, seriously. And that was detrimental, you know, that was very detrimental to me. I remember back in the day opening for Tracy Morgan and he'd just be like, what you got to understand is it's a show business. And, uh, I just thought he was Tracy Morgan as insane as he is, has, is very insightful and has, is very smart about a lot of things. Yeah. And, uh, he's, and so, yeah, once I started taking the business in, uh, more seriously, then things definitely started to improve. Uh, and you know, luckily, you know, I didn't move back to Kansas city, but yeah. So who, who I always like, I'm always obsessed with people that, we find inspiration from like, because they are comics. So they ultimately are fuck ups. Yeah. But it's interesting. The people that you, that you bump into in our business that kind of for better, or for worse. I remember there's a lot of guys that I've watched handle the business. And I remember going, Oh, I don't want to do that. Like yeah. that was the clearest way to see it. it was like, Oh, this guy is ruining himself. For sure. Especially, I see that a lot. What I learned that the most that from is how to treat the staff at a comedy club. And I, and I learned more by watching people be absolute dicks than I ever did by seeing someone. Or And then you watch someone treat the staff nicely and how well that person gets treated. Oh, you know what's so funny, though, is like I watch some people like... um like Imbag is a really interesting example. Imbag was never rude to anybody. However, he looked at it as a job. And so he went in, did his spot, left, went to the hotel. And I remember, I remember one place, I remember being in Denver and they were like, you're friends with the end, right? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, why is he such a dick? And I go, he's not, he's the greatest guy ever. And they're like, no, he, like, he doesn't hang out and party with us. And I was like, well, let me ask him. He was like, wait, are they asking why, why I don't hang out and try to fuck the staff? And I was like, <laughs> I guess ultimately. Yeah. And he was like, I thought I was doing the right fucking thing by going home. Like it's so interesting. The way well, there's, the, the, there's the a happy medium. Is. <laughs> there's a happy medium where you can hang out and not try to fuck the staff. Yeah. 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 But it's like, I mean, I put myself in so many precarious situations, hanging out with staff that you're like, and I'm as a married man, you're like, Going to back to, you know, when you're younger, you could go back to someone's house party and, and, and then now you look at it and you're like, oh, you should never do any of that shit ever. <laughs> yeah. No, I, especially when I was younger, I, I remember in Little Rock at the Looney Bin, like the staff just calling me and like, hey, we're all coming over to the condo. And it just turned into a giant fucking debaucherous debauchery fest. And, but those are like, listen, the staff, remembers the people they have good times with as anyone does. And so it's like in that, especially if you're at a place where you're not selling that many tickets. Yes. 
that will get you booked a thousand times more, especially if you have fun with the staff and not fuck them. Like, look at John Morgan. Look at the raging Cajun. Like, that dude hasn't had a special. That dude, but he gets weeks at every funny bone because he puts on an amazing show. He probably sells a consistent amount of tickets because of that amazing show. But more importantly, the staff loves the every staff. If you mention John Morgan, it's the, he's the number one. He's just the best. And he's made a career out of that. I've got You know what, man? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I want to go see him perform. I've never seen him perform. It's, it's hilarious. He'll make you cry. And then at the end, he sings the national anthem. For real? For, or, or he'll sing at the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting show. But, man, I remember as a feature act, if you gave me a John Morgan weekend, I knew it was going to be fucking hilarious, an amazing time, and, like, nothing but positive vibes. That. I, I, every, everywhere I've ever been, it, everywhere I've ever been, they've talked about how he is just the best, like yeah. treats the staff nice, fucking cool. The like, and then you, and, and hilarious, absolutely hilarious. You wonder how, how the industry misses a guy like that, where you go, how come he doesn't have a spec? Why hasn't anyone? And, and you know what it is? You realize Someone like Brian Volkheis, who, you know, runs, you know, for those who don't know, is like, he basically is the, I would argue the reason specials are as big as they are these days. Him and Netflix were like together making these specials. He's one of the major reasons I have a career. Yeah. I mean, Brian Volkheis has done, you know, I think people have problems with Brian, but, but for the most part, he's done more for comedy than he's done against comedy, you know? A thousand percent. And so... But Brian Volkweiss is not in the trenches. He doesn't know guys like Jay Medicine Hat, uh, you know, uh, uh, John Morgan. You know, I, I would argue he probably barely knows guys like uh, like um, like uh, fucking Chad Daniels, who's a fucking monster. A giant. Yeah. And there's a guy that just is an a testament to if you're one of the greatest comics which I think he's, he's my favorite comic to watch on stage. He is so fucking good. Uh, he just kept doing the road and promoting and took advantage of social promotion and did that. And, you know, finally got a special and it fucking went bananas because he is an amazing comic, And it's just amazing. a testament to that's what I love about comedy as opposed to music is like for the most part, the best comics, the most successful comics, and there are exceptions to this rule, are the best comics. Uh, but like in music, a lot of it, the most popular stuff is fucking garbage. And I just think what's great about what we do is that it's more of a testament to talent paying off. It's so interesting you say that. You can't deny a good joke. Like as much as you want to say, that's what drives me nuts about like about the part of cancel culture where they take things out of context. You're like, you're not allowed to take it out of context. It's no longer a joke once you just take the punchline and don't mention all the setup, you know? Or if you take something from 12 years ago 
and say, he said this, it's like, well, that implies that I haven't learned anything. Yeah. Like I might've said that joke a long time ago, a still a funny joke, but B I just, I didn't know that was inappropriate at the time. And no yeah. one said a fucking thing 12 years ago, but now, and I think someone, I think it was it Jeffries that was saying, he was like, you keep moving the line. Like, well, 12 years ago, that wasn't the line. Like, look at Blazing Saddles, my favorite movie of all time. They just put a, like a social awareness. Like you have, they had to put a warning in front of it because they're, they had to, HBO had to be like, hey, you have to remember it was fucking 1978 and things were different. Also, this movie was written partly by a black man. And a lot of this shit is tongue in cheek. You fucking weirdos. Yeah, but that movie or any movie like it could never be written today. Like if you wanted to write the next Blazing Saddles and you turned it in, you'd probably get blacklisted if that's a th if that's really a thing. But it's funny. The uh, we're on the bus yesterday, and um, and uh, the topic of uh, cancel culture and Shane Gillis came up. You know Shane. Uh. I've heard the name he did. He was on SNL and then, and then they oh, and he, hired him when they found out he made like some joke about noodles or something or Asian people. And, and uh, I think the joke's about noodles, but it was in, in reference to Asian people, but it was like, he was trying to be funny. It was, he was in, you know, whatever, whatever that joke was, whatever the point is like, I think a lot of people at that point just wrote him off. Right. And then yeah. he's still doing stand up. He's still busting his ass on the road, doing shows. He has not quit writing jokes. And fucking, someone goes, oh my God, have you heard his uh, Special Olympics joke? And I was like, no. We played it. It is definitely, <laughs> definitely inappropriate, but it is so goddamn funny. And, and you cannot deny it. And we're crying, laughing on the bus. And I just texted him, like, I hit him up on uh, Instagram. And I was like, dude, we're dying laughing listening to that joke. And he's like, oh, thanks. And then you go, oh, you just keep coming and you just keep working. And funny shit is always going to rise to the top. It's always going to rise to the top. Whether or not that's your sense of humor or not is, is neither here nor there. Or is, is, is part of it is, is obviously it's a subjective, but or object, subjective, objective, whatever. But a good joke, you're right. A good joke just makes you laugh. Absolutely. And that being said, it's like while talent will rise to the top, you have to. And this is what I had to learn is like, you have to have a business acumen about it because, and you have to work hard because <clears throat> what's really changed in this game is that like when you and I started, it was still like, you could just come up with a bit whenever, like you were just very like, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm gonna keep writing out here. Motherfuckers are writing every day. Yeah. Every day. And so you have to, if you don't put the work in your you have to still put the work in, I guess is what I'm saying. Very few. There are a few people that just fucking have that personality that just skyrocket up. And, but that's, that's a lottery ticket. Like you really have to put the work in to like, get, get to that level. Oh, I look at it like where I go, I'm running, I'm running fucking five different businesses at once. And stand up is the least important of them at times. You're like, you go, you got your podcast, you got your production company where you're, I mean, we're not even talking about trying to get on TV shows and trying to sell a sitcom or trying to make a movie, all those other burners, but like yeah. podcasting and 
and Instagram and promoting. I'm, I'm more of a marketer these days at times than a, than a stand-up where I go, sometimes you're like, okay, I got everyone to the show. Oh, fuck, I got to do stand-up now. Holy shit. Like, the fucking thing they came for is sometimes forgotten. And there's some guys that don't, that ignore the stand-up and just promote, and you see that definitely. But you also have changed the game when it comes to promotion. The level of production value you put into this shit, not just like from the beginning, like when you were just coming out of your pool and fucking doing all that shit to the fucking dance video to <laughs> now, now you and Segura both doing it like, and, and also the way you guys fucking promote off each other is just so smart. And so, and it's just such a great model. Like I have fucking Ben Glebe calling me going, we got to fucking do what they're doing. I'm like, well, you have to have a certain chemistry to make that work. But like, it's just, it's so great. And you're one of the people that inspire me every day where I like wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to drink coffee and play guitar. I'm like, well, Bert's been up for four hours already and he just ran a thousand miles and now he's doing six Instagram videos. You're like, well, fuck. All right, let's clean this place and start getting to work. So that's <laughs> so, it's it's very nice of you to say. That means a lot to me, dude. I, I don't, I mean, it goes without saying, I, I sincerely look up to you in stand up. I think you are, I mean, I go back to that, you know, you have those pivotal moments in your career where you don't, you don't, you don't know they're going to show up. And, um, sitting in Omaha in the back of the club, watching you do your hour was like, fuck man, I'm not writing enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, it's interesting. I bet some people look at a, like, look at a comic that they, that is better than them. And then they go, um, Oh, fuck that guy. I'm going to find ways to trash him. I mean, I know for a fact that there are comics that are trashing me currently. I've heard it. People send yeah. me the clips. Oh yeah. And it hurts. Cause you're like, I, I definitely thought we were friends. And then you're like, <laughs> and then you're like, why well, yeah. you didn't need, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know how to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, man. But so there are people that do that. I never do that. I look at someone who's doing better than me or, or like do, writing and fucking better stand up. And I just get inspired to go, what the fuck, man? Like you, you, that I go through that night of your show and this, 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 the seamlessness with which you can tell a story and the casualness and the, and the, uh, honestly, your perspective of, of where the laugh should be just fucking blew my mind. Cause I, at the time I was telling so, things so linearly, like where it was like, it was like, uh, just start going through the story and you would weave and I, the fucking story you had about the fucking, was it Chicago pitcher? Oh, Verlander. Yeah. I mean, I, I, every, I, like everything about your set was like, was like, God damn it. It doesn't like, it really changed. I, 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 I I'm the thing. My takeaway that evening was, um, and this is funny because I've shared this with other people, and and some people don't agree with this takeaway. But one of the things you do very well is you write jokes no one can write. Like oh, no right. one can tell your the way you approach a, a, a chunk. No yeah. one's doing it that way. And I walked away going, sometimes I'm doing shit anyone can do, and I got to get that out of my fucking act. Well, I appreciate it. that being said, uh, secret time is still one of my top five specials oh, of all time. I, oh, that means so much. Uh, and <laughs> I remember watching you that night and that was a speaking of pivotal night or noon. Cause it was a noon show. 
Yeah. And I, I talked about it on my Instagram, but I want to bring it up again was you were getting ready for secret time. You were doing a noon show in Omaha. I was doing the night shows and you, you were like, man, I, I got to do this hour, but you know, I got to do the machine. And I was like, fuck these people. You give them what they, you do what you do. And you were like, really? Cause I grew up with the black crows and you would go to black crows concerts and they would not play a single hit. And which has like a deep audiophile guy I loved, but you would see people leave these concerts going, they didn't even fucking play. She talks to angels. And so that was the mindset I came from. And you were like, no, man, the audience is paying to see you. You need to give them what they want. And I was like, nah. And you're like, watch this. And you walked up on stage, took your shirt off, did your intro. And you go, Hey, I got a lot of new jokes to get through just by raise of hands. How many of you have to hear the machine today? It was fucking half of them. And I was like, Oh fuck. And I went back that afternoon and learned four bits that everyone had been asking me to do again. And I remember, I remember, I remember watching you on stage that night and you, and you're like, you know, they're dropping the checks. I, I think you said like, I have a friend in the audience or something or. Yeah. Which is go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Uh, That setup I stole from John Panette and it's a setup and he's dead. So I don't care. Uh, But he, I got to host. I got to host for him. Ian bag featured and John Panette headlined uh, obviously years ago. And so Panette would do his new hour. And then he would say, I have some friends in from out of town, which he didn't. And he goes, they wanted me to do this old bit that I don't normally do anymore. And it's, uh, and then he'd do the buffet, the killer whale bit. Yeah. And I was like, that is the easiest way to get into old bits. And the weirdest thing, and it's the best feeling I've had in comedy in 20 years probably since the first time I did it was when I started the first lines of the Taco Bell bit for the first time and people started cheering. I remember you started that Taco Bell bit and they went fucking nuts. And I remember you look of your face. Uh, you were on stage and you were like, really? Well, I almost started crying. Dead yeah. serious. Like I was like, whoa, this like, oh, I have affected people. And, uh, and it's changed everything. So they, you know, that was definitely something I learned from you, but watching when I watched you do your hour that night, just the way you told the story, especially like the zip lining in Vietnam, the, the word stories, you, the word choices you made, I was fucking crying laughing. Oh, dude, I'm ready to get back out on the road with you. I wish you could be out on this tour bus with us. You'd fucking love it, dude. Uh, call me anytime. I'd be there in a heartbeat. We're doing another big tour in the, in the beginning of the fall. I think we're going to hit Northern California, like try to hit everywhere right before it gets cold. Oh, and, uh, and, and so I'll hit you up, man. I love, I would love to fucking work with you. Dude. I would love to do that. And if we're going to NorCal, I know a couple growers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dude, you're the best. What gigs do you have coming up at the end of the month? I got a big virtual show uh, at rushticks.com. Uh, that's R-U-S-H-T-I-X, and it's 15 bucks, and it's a virtual show. But uh, And then I – so I'll do my hour, 
uh, do some old, I'll do my 45, I'll do some old bits and then I just hang out and like, you can like talk to me via the comments and stuff. And I'll just answer questions and hang out too. Oh, that's fucking awesome, man. Well, I'll make yeah. sure to put that at the beginning of this podcast. I've got, my wife is in the hospital and, uh, they're texting me about, uh, her stitches and fucking no worries, man. Uh, so- all the best to her. Yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, I, I could sit. I could literally sit and talk to you for another fucking hour, dude. We got to well, do this. We, we got to do this. I want to do one in person when we're getting a new podcast studio. I'd love for you to come in. We'll do one. Smoke, drink, have a fucking blast. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. I'll bring some 1942 and we'll get it done. God damn it, man. I love you, Chris. Congratulations on everything. I can't love wait you, to brother. I talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.